Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Exodus, and uh, Taylor is with us again. And I just have to say uh, publicly, thank you, Taylor, so much for taking over while I was on vacation. That was a, a real privilege, and I've only heard uh, good things as far as you know. So <laughs> no, I really have only heard good things. So we're continuing today with Exodus, and we're chapter 19, uh, verses uh well, various verses through Exodus 19. And Taylor, if you'd read for us, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, I'd love to. Let's read the word of the Lord together. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation, this is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from the ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God. They stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord, or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around the mountain and set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up to you, back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priest or the people break through to approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Well, this is a uh, famous scene and the, the people who've been led out of Egypt, out of slavery to be with God now finally are with God or they're preparing for that moment when they're going to, uh, to be with God. A, a couple things I uh, see here. Uh, first of all, in verse six, we see that there is this promise that they will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
Uh, and these words are probably familiar to those of us who uh, have read the Bible before or were with us during our study of First Peter, because in First Peter 2.9, Peter repeats these words, but not about ancient Israel, but rather seeing the fulfillment of this promise taking place in the coming of Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. Because what we're going to see in a uh, just a little bit, not in today's devotional, we're going to see that this promise to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation is going to be delayed because of the sin of the people. And that's going to come up soon. Um, but relating to that is this image of the holiness of God, how they can't even approach the mountain. There's a boundary marked, but God is going to make a way for them to be able to approach him. And even says that the priests themselves have to purify themselves. And one of the ways I think about this holiness, an image that uh, I believe someone shared with me was this idea of imagine that God is this consuming fire. But our clothes, uh, our clothing is like soaked in gasoline, and that's the sin in our lives. And so to approach close to this fire would mean our destruction because of the presence of sin. That's, that sin cannot uh, withstand the presence of God. It will be destroyed. And if so, if we're attached to that sin, we would be destroyed as well. So there's this problem. We need to be cleansed from this sin in order to approach the presence of God. And of course, the ultimate cleansing comes through uh, Jesus, which is symbolized and that that cleansing is symbolized in in baptism. And so there's this uh, image of holiness, uh, the holiness of God here. But the thing that I'm, I'm interested most in this passage, and we'll see this in the giving of the Ten Commandments as well, but, but Christians uh, for a long time and continued to uh, continually do this, they, we debate over the relationship between law and grace. Because we hear, you know, oftentimes we say that the Old Testament is about the law and the New Testament is about grace, which uh, replaces or supersedes the law. And I think it's actually more complicated and in some ways more simple than that. I think God has always related to us through grace first. And we see this here in verses four through six, where God says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's grace. Those are things that God did for them through nothing they deserved, through nothing that they did. Uh, it was God's gift to them, God's action to them, God for them. So grace always came first, even before the giving of the law. And then in verse five, it says, now, so in essence, as a response to my grace, God says, now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And so there is this, the law is not something you do uh, just simply because it's right. The law isn't something you do because your life will go better. It's not something that you do in order to earn God's favor. Instead, the law is the, or the maybe even better, I, I, a lot of Jewish people will tell me that a better translation of Torah is instructions rather than law. So the instructions of God, the reason why we obey the instructions of God is because that is the proper response of gratitude to the grace that God has already extended to us. So I, I love that we see here right in the right in the prelude to the giving of the law, we see this reminder, this clear picture that God is always about grace and, and, and law is a response to God's grace or obedience to God's instructions is a response to God's grace. Not something that we do to earn God's favor because we could never do that. But instead, God acts favorably towards us, even though we deserve nothing, even if we've done nothing, 
God acts favorably towards us. And so the question is, how will we respond to God's grace? That's the real question for us today. Um, so in any case, uh, that's what I see in this passage. And Taylor, I'm curious to see, uh, hear what you see in this passage and, and where you would take us with that. Yeah, well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is maybe a little out of left field, but is in the movie, The Incredibles, which is like an incredible movie, uh, there's this great scene where the the young yeah the young young superhero boy Dash who's really fast he's complaining because his parents are telling him like don't run too fast you know because he can run outrun all the other kids because he has superpowers and then he kind of it's just it's a whole hilarious scene where they tell him to go slow no go faster but win but don't win by too much and then he kind of gets angry and says like if everyone's special then no one's special right and I I love that line um, and I think that there's a little bit of that tension here in this text that you have this whole nation set apart, but not set above. And then you have this whole nation who are supposed to be priests, because typically we would think of priests as people who are kind of, I mean, I, I say this with a little bit of like cringe, as I say it as a pastor, but people who are often viewed as set above or set apart in some way, there's this strange tension of how do you have an entire nation of priests? Like that, that's an interesting, uh, concept and, it, and it's a new concept and so if everyone's special how is anyone special and i think what we see is god trying to thread this needle and and introduce this new concept and as folks who have read the old testament before will know like this is a this is a a, a thing that israel's going to get tripped up over all the time and then god's going to send back prophets and say hey hang on hang on you're set apart for a purpose not set above and so I, that's what I think is going on here in this early text where, where God is, is emphasizing his holiness so that these people who have been set apart don't get too high and mighty and say, oh, well, we're, you know, we're called to the special task. Therefore, we are special. And that means we're better than other people. In fact, that's not really what's going on. In fact, we see here that this is hearkening back to the, the covenant. God is saying, remember the covenant. And what he's talking about here, I believe there are, there are other theories on this, but what I believe uh, God is saying is remember the covenant I made with the patriarchs. Remember the covenant God made with Abraham. And in that covenant, in Genesis 12, the whole point of having a special people was to bless the nations through Israel, through the seed of Abraham. So the people of Israel are to be a blessing, a holy nation of priests, a whole entire people whose job it is to translate God to their neighbors, to be people who shine the light of God uh, into the surrounding area so that people come to know God. Because there's this central problem that after creation, humanity has rebelled and there's whole peoples at this point as time has gone forward who don't know that God has created them, loves them, is with them. And so, you know, there's this whole project of we're going to have a nation state who's going to show what it means to live in communion with God, to follow the instructions of God, and to see the flourishing that comes from that. And so Israel has a mission of reconciliation. Uh, and it's pretty hard to reconcile if you view yourself as fundamentally better than other people. And of course, that, that, like, that tension is going to crop up at points in Israel's history. And they're going to have to be reminded. And so uh, I think it's, that's all well and good. And that's interesting. As I'm often fond of saying, if we read the text, though, and find ourselves sitting in judgment of people who have long since passed, we've entirely missed the point. <laughs> because... We in present day are just as capable of this, of saying, you know, we have special access to God. We have special knowledge as people who read the scriptures or, or any sort of, there's really no limit to the ways we can find ourselves uh, feeling superior to other people. Uh, and we ought to remember, as you've uh, rightly, rightly told us, John, and, and reminded us uh, that 
we are called into this relationship with God through grace. And we are set free for a purpose, which is to reconcile and to be reconcilers, to invite other people to know God and to do so from a posture of humility. And so um, I think that's what's going on here with that, that strange tension of like you're invited, God's inviting people around, but, but with some pretty strict boundaries. I, that, that's, that's what I see in the text. Um, John, I'm curious if you have any comment on that. How does that land with you? Well, I mean, what you said seems to fit well with what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.9, talking about the, the church at that point and the followers of Jesus and, and what it means to be that um, holy nation, that's that, that special nation and priesthood, is that we have this purpose, that we are continuing the mission of, of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to bridge, help bridge this gap between uh, God and humanity by by bringing the message, by being representatives of Jesus and bringing the message of grace to the rest of the world. So, yeah, I definitely think it fits there. And, I, you know, I'm reminded, too, that the opposite of holy isn't unholy. The opposite of holy is common, right? Like we mm-hmm. we have like these common purposes, but God is calling us to a special purpose. It's not because of anything we've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. And so we're, it's this invitation. It's not inherent in us. Um, maybe a, a, an image I love from the early church is the image of a poker placed in a fire. Like you place the poker in the fire and it takes on the characteristics of the fire. But if the fire, if the poker thinks it is fire, you know, that, that it possesses those characteristics, then you're in trouble because you mm-hmm. remove that poker from the fire and, and the light that it gives off, the heat that it gives off, the ability to ignite other things will quickly fade. And so it only has those characteristics because of its contact with the fire. So mm-hmm. it's not inherent to itself. And I think that's the same for us. If, if we've been changed, if we receive a divine gifting in any way, empowerment of through the Holy Spirit, that's not us, that's God acting in and through us. And so if we were to take pride in that, it would be like, a poker taking pride for being um, hot and, and, and giving off light when it's not mm-hmm. a characteristic that it possesses in itself. Well said. Taylor, I, I'd love it if you'd uh, close us in prayer and uh, especially as a reminder of our specialness and uh, a call to humility as well. Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, these scripture texts that uh, speak truth into our lives. We ask that we would read them with humility that you would remind us that we are special and loved, and yet that we are set apart, not set above. Would you encourage and remind us to be reconcilers for your love and grace today? All this we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us again today. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope you keep your eyes out, your ears open to the opportunities that God might have for you to bring this message of grace to others around you. So go in peace.